the supernatural as something that isn't supposed to happen. AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Science advisor Matt Moniz is down at TAPSCON, so we will not be able to check in with him later on because he's actually going to be leading a, a discussion with Peter Robbins down there on, um, I think, on UFO abduction cases. And I know that he has plans to take part in a actual investigation down there as well. So he's going to be pretty tied up. So we're not going to have a chance to check in with him down there. Uh, maybe a little bit later on we'll try and ring up the cell phones of some people that we know down at TAPSCON. But uh, we've got an action-packed show. So I don't even know if we'll have a chance to get to it, Matt Costa. That's true. It seems like we've been here for a couple hours now. It seems like we've been here, you know, long enough to actually have already done the show. Doesn't it seem, like, weird? It seems like we were uh, sleeping here or something. I know. But we were practicing for our huge show next week. Are you excited about this? I'm very excited about this. I'm excited and nervous. Why are you? you, I don't know. You're not supposed to be. Whoa, whoa. Let's back up here. You're the guy that can't be nervous. I know. Everybody else is supposed to be nervous and then be not nervous anymore when we say, Matt's got it all under control. (laughs) We'll see what happens, though. It should be all right. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. But uh, we will be doing a very, very special event next week right here live on WBSM from the Spooky Studio. We are going to be doing an actual old-time radio-style drama. Uh, a horror suspense type piece that was written by three local writers, Jim DiRuta, uh Paul Treniff, and Rebecca Coleman. They all work together on something known as Possession of the Church, and we'll be performing it right here in the Spooky Studio next week. We're going to have a special 9 p.m. start time. And the way it's going to work is in the first hour. I don't have the gentleman's name in front of me, but he runs a website called RadioHorrorHosts.com. He's going to jump on with us for the first hour and kind of set the scene for us, let us know how they used to perform and, and act and write these old radio dramas back in the 30s, the 40s, and even into the 50s and 60s. And he's going to talk to us especially about the realm of the horror suspense ones, how they pulled that kind of stuff off, the rumbling thunder, how they built tension, all those kind of things. And uh, then in the second hour, beginning at 10 o'clock, we're going to have a live performance of Possession of the Church right here in the studio. We're going to open up these glass, these blinds here on the big glass windows. We want all the listeners out there who have nothing else to do to come on down Set up a lawn chair outside, and you can actually watch us perform it. We're going to have, I think, about eight or nine actors in the studio, maybe a camera guy. Maybe some media will come down to cover the event. So it should be a good time. should be a lot of interesting stuff going on, and I, I just think it's going to be... I don't think this has been done on uh, local radio in at least 70 years, probably. Probably. I mean, I, I don't know what the history... I should, but I don't really know the history of uh, the radio in this area. I know that... WBSM back in its early days was, you know, local programming, news, sports type of stuff. I don't know if they actually performed dramas here, if they just carried network feeds of them. It was probably more likely that they were carrying, you know, NBC radio or CBS radio or uh, whatever the other, you know, diamond broadcasting system, whatever else they had back then. Um, So it may be the first time it's ever been done in this studio for sure. So uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds interesting. (laughs) Unique. You really are nervous? No. Okay. I, I, just want, I just want to get you nervous. Yeah, now you've got me nervous. Yeah, that's it. But that's okay, because uh, tonight we don't have to really worry that much about, about nerves, because uh, tonight we're going to be talking about something we know and we love, and that is The X-Files. The new movie premieres next Friday, X-Files, I Want to Believe. 
and it's going to be debuting locally at all the cinemas. We're going to be giving away tickets all night long. We have 10 pairs of tickets to give away to this Mac Costa. 10 pairs. That's a lot of tickets. Donated by our friends at Flagship Cinemas. We'd give them away to our friends, but we don't have 10 friends. No, we don't. Not even because we all have the same friends, you, me, and Ronnie. <laughs> so it's, together they don't total 10. Yeah. But we have 10 pairs of tickets to give away. We're going to be giving away all night long. You not only win two free tickets to go see the X-Files at Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford, but you also win two tickets to their Captain's Comedy Night, which is coming up in August. It's coming up um, August 9th at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. They'll have double headliners Stephanie Peters and John Turco. It's a whole night of comedy. It's rated NC-17, by the way. So if you win, if you're a young person and you win the tickets, you might want to have your parents go to that or... You know, if you're a parent, you might want to bring your kid to see the X-Files, but maybe not bring them to Captain's Comedy Night. But we'll be giving away uh, those tickets throughout the show. And I'm excited about this. Flagship was so generous uh, in, in working with us on this. And I think we're going to be going down there, Matt Costa, for the premiere of X-Files, you and I and Matt Moniz. Excellent. That should be fun. Excellent. Was that a pun? Excellent. <laughs> but I think uh, the, the, the plan is that we're actually going to kind of host the premiere of the movie down there. We're going to go down there and, and say hi to everybody, and we're going to ask some trivia questions, maybe give away some spooky South Coast T-shirts, maybe some other prizes. But uh, it definitely, if you're going to go see it, you want to go see it on opening night, you can come down and meet the spooky crew. And if that doesn't ruin your night, then you get to see the X-Files afterwards. So, <laughs> And, uh, of course, you know I'm excited to see the film. I, I'm, I've seen the X-Files over the years, but I've really started to get into it in about the last year. I'm it, interested in seeing... Uh what what character Exhibit plays? Oh, yeah, yeah, because he's one of the other uh, FBI <laughs> yeah. agents. And how well he does. Well, this, I, I mean, I don't know. Is something going to get pimped? That's I, all That's all I, I want to know. They're, they're going <laughs> to <they're gonna laughs> pimp Mulder's office? Yeah. Now, have you um, have you watched a lot of X-Files? I did when I was younger. I haven't probably watched any in a few, number of years. Well, let me ask you this, then. What, what was your favorite episodes in the run of the series did you like when they went into the actual mythology of the show when they talked about the alien invasion and you know the conspiracy to cover that up or did you kind of like the other episodes where they were kind of little standalone stories that were like little as our guests that we'll talk to later on we'll, we'll talk about kind of like little 60 minute horror movies i actually um prefer the well i don't know i prefer all the episodes mm-hmm. but i like i do like the uh the little standalone episodes that kind of went off and didn't really care the story uh, didn't really excel the story too much, but it had, um, it was just kind of like a nice change, I guess. The, the, the thing about the X-Files, what makes it unique, aside from being a terrific sci-fi show, but just in terms of television dramas and how they're produced, it was a combination of an anthology series, because basically you had an anthology-type series where you had different stories every mm-hmm. week with just really two central characters involved in each one, and sometimes not even both of them. Uh, but then it also had this very, very deep backstory that you really had to pay attention to be involved in, but you didn't have to be involved in that to enjoy the other episodes. Yeah. So you could be a casual fan, you could be a diehard fan. It really appealed to everybody. They really did a good job in uh, kind of mixing it up and not really focusing too much on the main story or the backstory. And so I thought that was all right. And I think that uh, when you look at the X-Files now, you know, compared to what we know now about the paranormal, how much more it's become, you know, out in the media and there's websites and it's discussed every day on TV. It was kind of the only real avenue for paranormal information that people had back then on mainstream media. I mean, you had shows like Sightings and Unsolved Mysteries, but I mean... And, and Nobody really took those seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. That's why I'm here. 
But you didn't really have a lot of these television dramas dealing in the paranormal. Now you've got so many paranormal uh, shows. You've got Reaper. You've got Torchwood. You've got, you know, there's uh, at least four or five new paranormal theme shows debuting this mm-hmm. fall, uh, including a new X-Files-type show from producer J.J. Abrams called Fringe, yeah. which will be, you know, uh, they're, they're calling it a, a modernization of the X-Files almost. So, I mean, it's really something that's something people are are dying to have and i think the new movie's coming out at the perfect time and and it is one of those standalone stories it's it's not following the mythology of the series uh there'll be a lot of little tweaks and winks to longtime fans of the show but it's going to be its own standalone story that i think will appeal to people that are more than just x-files fans hopefully there's no bees in this one no <laughs> that freaked me out because you know how i feel about bees yeah, but- i was watching the movie i was like ah call matt to come over and kill them uh so uh, why don't we get right into the interview with uh, tonight's guest, uh, author Matt Hurwitz, uh, for the new book that's coming out. If you want to order it while you're listening to the interview, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com and you can pre-order it right there on the main page. You'll be able to uh, sign up now. It's not coming out till November, but um, if you pre, pre, pre-order it now, it'll ship to you as soon as it's available. So let's get right into that interview. Joining us on the line now is Matt Hurwitz, co-author, along with Christopher Knowles, of the forthcoming book, The Complete X-Files, Behind the Series, the Myths, and the Movies. It comes out this October, but we're going to talk to him about the book now, and if you want to pre-order it now uh, on Amazon, definitely do that, because I think with the new movie coming out, Matt, uh, we're going to see a whole new batch of X-Files hype out there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, I think the, the, um, the release date has been pushed to November now. Okay. Still, Still in time for Christmas. That's all. Oh that matters. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it'll it'll bring in a lot of people to the X Files fold, and I think part of that is because the, it's a uh, you know it's a standalone what they you know they used to re- refer to as a standalone episode rather than part of the the X Files mythology. And I think so that's uh, one of the problems they had with the first film is you know they tried to write it so you didn't have to be an X Files fan to enjoy it, and I mean that's the case. You certainly can watch it. Um, but it's really it's it's there to answer questions for the diehard fans, and with yeah. this movie, I think it's going to have a lot more broader appeal. Absolutely, it's really a great summer horror flick. I, I've read the script, I haven't seen the film, but I've seen some scenes. But you know, it's a it's a it's a classic X Files standalone episode. And can you give us any kind of clues as to what it is that they're dealing with? I've I've heard werewolves. I've heard. You know, Chupacabra, I've heard a bunch of different theories. I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved with writing the book? I mean, I know that you're a, a very prolific entertainment writer, and uh, you, you've had work in The Hollywood Reporter, Variety. I've seen your, your bylines all over the web. Oh, thanks. Um, I had done, uh, I guess back in 2002, I had done an article for dir- the Directors Guild of America magazine, DGA magazine, on, it was during the ninth season, uh, while it was still in production, on the directing team of the X-Files, and at the time I really knew nothing about the show. I mean, that, the ninth season was, you know, I, I was new to the X-Files during the ninth season. I really didn't know anything about anything. You know, I was like, oh, so yeah, this, uh, you got a show about an alien or something, right? You know, I didn't know anything about it. <laughs> but I, um, you know, I, I got up to speed uh, enough to do the article, and, and um yeah, I became friends with Frank Spotnitz, and he remembered me when they were getting ready to, you know, uh, getting ready to do a book. And and um, I think uh, Chris Carter had seen uh, an, a Star Wars book that this same publisher, Palace Press, had done, and they said, you know, can you guys uh, do one of these for me? 
So I quickly got up to speed and watched every single uh, episode earlier in the year. I, I think I watched four to six of them a day for about two months. <laughs> and That's kind of what I've been doing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, was, the, the great thing, I don't know. That kind of clip. Well, you know, they you, you often hear the directors talk about these shows as being, you know, you know, 202 great little movies, and they really are. I mean, when I was done, I was like, isn't there more? You know, I really, I wasn't sick of it. I, I loved it. Well, and now there is more, at least in, in you know, yeah. two and a half hour increments. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, once you decided that you were going to start putting this all together, I mean, I'm just looking over some of the information about the book when it comes out. It's more than just, you know, a book talking about the X-Files. I mean, when they call it the complete X-Files, they're not kidding. Some of the uh, the extras that are going to be in this book sound amazing. Yeah, well, the the for one thing, I went through and interviewed everybody I could within the time frame. Uh, most of the most of the directors, uh, um, including um, uh, Kim Manners and Rob Bowman, David Nutter, um, a lot of the writers, uh, Vince Gilligan, and um, you know a number of the others, and, and just and just got everybody I could. I tracked down the cigarette smoking man. We've got there's lots of lots of lots of uh, new interview material here that people have never seen before and a lot of new stories and then the other thing is um, I went through the Fox uh, photo archive which had all of the uh, the unit photographers photography and there's a there's a great deal of behind the scenes photography here showing how they did a lot of you know a lot of iconic scenes that you'll you know fans know and, and you'll see you know the director standing there with uh, with David Duchovny talking to him about it it's, it's really cool now, when you look through the names and the credits of X-Files episodes, you know, you see, like, Frank's name, Kim Manor's name, like you were talking, some of these people that you spoke with, and they're people who, now that the X-Files is no longer in production, they're popping up in similarly vain programming. Um, is, yeah. that, is that kind of because it's their area of expertise? Is that the kind of genre they want to work in? I would I would imagine a lot of it has to do with the same way that actors, get in a way, get typecast, and that this is the mm -hmm. way... You know, producers know these people know how to do this. I just got a, uh, a DVD today from John Scheiben, one of the writers. He had done a uh, part of a Warner Home Video series called Raw Feed, and it's a you know it's a John Scheiben horror movie. It's terrific, you know. Well, didn't even Chris Carter didn't he get his start on uh, the Night Stalker, or didn't he work on that program back in its early early days? No, he actually he had been a fan of it. it um, he, he it was just one of those shows that he really loved, and I, I remember watching it. I'm I'm 47. I remember watching it myself. It was like you know, it was uh, part of ABC's you know Tuesday movie of the week, and they they had a couple of these things, and they were just terrific. And they had the almost the same kind of sense of humor to them that that good X Files episodes have. And it was well, something I, that you know, always inspired him. You can see how they pay homage to a lot of these past shows that have come before them, or even, you know, a, a yeah. gentleman like Hans Holzer, a paranormal investigator for many years, you know, for a long time, the only public figure in pop culture that was a paranormal investigator, and they've always made sure that they've kind of paid homage to these people that came before sure. them, these characters that came before them. They even, you know, they even cast Darren McGavin as, as the original X-Files founder. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and it's funny, it's kind of, you, you get to see... Uh, you know what? What could happen to Mulder if he kept going at this for another twenty years? You know, <laughs> in his bathrobe drinking. I mean, it just seems like uh, I know that I think I read somewhere that this was the first television series to be released on DVD. 
Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate, but and but it 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 kind of lends itself to DVD type production because this is a series that actually had Easter eggs within episodes. Right. You know, there there'll be names of a, a the name of a dog is the name of a writer, for example. You know, there's, oh, there's all little kinds of twists. And then, by the way, there is there is um, I don't want to tell you any, but there are a, a great many of those uh, name Easter eggs throughout uh, the, the new movie. Oh wow! You have to keep your eyes open for them. You have to go see it more than once so you can keep track of all of it. I'm sure. Now, uh, and we're going to be giving away tickets to the to the movie during the course oh, of the show too, so people want to stay tuned. The local theater was very generous, gave us ten pairs of tickets to give away. So. Oh, fantastic! Because they. They can't. They know. They know the movie's going to sell out every night, so they're not really worried about making up the box office sales. But uh, um, I'll tell you one thing that was kind of cool for me, and and probably, you know, I, I guess you see these some of these folks in the uh, the bonus materials. But to see, have watched so many episodes and see names like you know R. W. Goodwin, and go, who is this guy? And be able to find them and sit and talk with them for for you know an hour on the phone or whatever, and. and and you know, find out who he is and get the stories out of him. And, you know, he's 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 like, why were why were you always called R. W. Goodwin? Because everybody calls him Bob. He says, oh well, there was another writer producer around the time that he was starting out named um, Bob Goodwin, so or Robert Goodwin. So he went by R. W.'s when he registered himself with the uh, Writers Guild. You know, little things so, like that. And without talking to all of these people individually, you might not realize what their contribution is to the whole. X-Files, the whole series, the whole Mythark, everything that goes on. I mean, I'm sure they've all played small roles in developing this overall story. Sure. I mean, they. it's funny. I mean, somebody like Bob Goodwin, I mean, he, he ran the show in Vancouver. He was he was the real, I guess what they call line producer. He's credited as an executive producer. Um, but, you know, these are people that, that made Chris's vision come to life, you know? All it takes is for one, you know, AD to decide, well, let's shoot it this way. And then that becomes, you know, a standard, you know, it becomes something that is an X-Files thing. Right. Somebody finds, um, I think John Bartley mentioned, he was the original cinematographer, the director of photography, um, talking about uh, discovering those uh, xenon flashlights that they used that became a, a trademark of the X-Files. It's just something that that comes along that uh, a crew person finds, and I, I think I, I think it, I think he explained that one of the lighting companies, you know, was always bringing them stuff. Hey, uh, you know, use our product, and that was one of them. And that becomes well, a you know, a major part of the look of the X Files. And and even still, it's it's synonymous with uh, just everything to do with the series. I mean, the, even the new mm -hmm. posters, you know, yes. you see them with the flashlights and everything. So, yeah. What about yeah. the actual um, the myth arc story itself, or what what the the fans call the myth arc, the the whole yeah. uh, prevailing storyline of the alien invasion? Is that something that was totally planned out in advance, or is that something that kind of came in bits and pieces as the series went on? It's funny. I asked Chris and Frank that, and and all the writers, and they all said, you know, no, we, you know, it, it's it's amazing. This is a tribute to the quality of writing that they did, and and the, the forethought is they knew how to. They did them episode by episode. They didn't think, okay, from this season we're going to have, um, you know, Scully's going to get cancer, and then they'll find out that uh, it was caused by a chip in the back of her neck or removing it. I mean, they, they didn't plan these things out. They just gave her cancer and then worked out a way that, you know, down the road when it was time to write the next episode, you know, why did she have the cancer? 
That's you amazing know. that they could pull it all together like that. Yeah, and keep it going over years. I mean, um, I, I, I was skimming through some episodes the other day. I'm, I'm just finishing writing the captions for the book, in fact, right now. And, um, you know, going back and, and looking at some of these episodes and going, you know, stopping and hearing a line, it's like, but they didn't know in here in season two that, you know, uh, the the uh, the syndicate would be killed off in season six or what have you, you know? Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't just give something away for a new fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, that's the problem I've run into is I'm kind of going back and I'd seen episodes here and there, but and being somebody interested in the paranormal, it was definitely on my radar. But now, you know, my wife and I are watching the reruns on TNT because they're running them in order. So we're oh. able to catch them in order, and so I'm, you know, kind of stuck in the situation where I need to know what happened, but I'm still working my way through the episodes. Yeah, I had to go through, um, as I was doing my interviews, I had to go through and make notes, you know, to follow, you know, episode by episode within the mythology episodes, because it's just so confusing, and the thing that was getting me, because you're, you're doing now what people did when these first aired, which is you watch them once. And this mm-hmm. is before the days. There was no D, there was no DVD then to go back and wait a minute. What did he just say? These these fans would watch this thing in an episode when it aired, and then get on the internet and go, well, hold on. So so what did you hear? I, I I thought the cigarette smoking man said this, you know. And and what what do you think this means to to, to Mulder? I mean, is his sister still alive? Who knows? You know. They, they, don't, they didn't have the technology that we have to to go back and, and review an episode. They want, they were seeing it once and remembering what they just saw. I, I can yeah. just picture fans sitting there and taking notes during episodes. I believe it. <clears throat> sitting there with a you know a pad and paper saying you know I got to make sure that we remember this for my theory yeah. that I have going on in my head that yeah. I'm trying to see if that's what's going on. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting though was about the mythology was that. Um, you know, this is, and I, and I talked to a bunch of them about this. I said, that, you know, this is pretty much like two parallel uh, TV series because um, you have the mythology series, which is episodes which follow a continuing but staggered, you know, storyline. Um, and it's very deep. It's a very deep thing, and it's a very emotional story. And then you have the following week as if nothing has happened and uh, there was n- nobody seen an alien and there's some strange murderer running around. That, did, that does kind of drive me crazy how you'll get so deep into the mythology in one episode and then in the next episode, you know, they're investigating teenage vampires or something. Or there's and Donnie Faster wanting to wash your hair. <laughs> it just goes yeah. <laughs> it goes in and out so easily, but I mean that's a credit to the writing and to the acting that you know you never lose sight of what these storyline and you never know you could be watching one of these supposedly standalone episodes and you might just get the littlest tiniest hint of something that has to do with the mythology. Yeah, but but very little if any though, which was kind of which was kind of funny. And um, even Jillian told me um, that. But that sometimes drove her crazy. It's like, come on, this, you know, or what Duchovny said, you know, you, one week you got, you know, my face is being pulled apart, and the next week I'm fine, you know? At least when they uh, when they cut off his finger there, when he had, I mean, when they broke his finger there, at least they had his finger wrapped up for a couple episodes after that. Oh, that's right, yeah. At least well, there was some, some of continuity. The, well, you have to think again also is that the um, episodes are not always rerun, in, uh, you know, in syndication in order. Mm-hmm. So this is actually, in a way, it's good planning for by the network at the time. And uh, one of the things that always drives me crazy is how some of the episodes 
when they you know flash the the card on the screen says the truth is out there that will change yeah. from time to time and I, at That's first right. I thought that if it changed that meant it was a mythology episode but then that proved to not really be the case. Yeah, I think you're right. They call those the the tagline. Mm-hmm. And I, I, is I think there about ten of them or ten different you know oddballs thrown in there? It, it just seems strange that you know for for. I mean, watching on DVR now, you want to fast forward through the credits and get right into the episode, but now there's yeah. something that you can't because you never know what's going to change. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Now, it, it, from what I've read and what I understand, too, in the first season of the show, it, it really wasn't that well-received, and they were kind of on the cusp for renewal uh, until the final episode, the Erlenmeyer Flask, kind of really um, galvanized the fan base. And, and really pushed for the second season. Is that kind of how it played out to the uh, to the people in charge too? I'm not sure. I, I do know that the you know it's the it did in fact have low ratings, but it was the it was the fan base that kept it going. And um, you think about it, there was the Erlenmeyer Flask is the first episode in in which you get to see finally see an alien, mm-hmm. that little frozen uh, frozen fetus, you know. And it's a very it, strange thing, but I, that's a, that's kind of a bit, you know, very rewarding thing. And 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 they were so good with these, you know, um, you know, season finales. I mean, the, the, the writing was just so exciting, you know. I'm so glad I'm watching them now in a manner where, you know, I see the season finale, and then the next hour is the season premiere of the next season. I don't have to go a whole <laughs> summer waiting. Yeah, I can't even imagine what that could have been like. You know, I just can't. Yeah. And how do you, how do you even remember what it, what happened? You know. There's so much detail in this, and the mythology episodes, particularly, you get into seasons four, five, six. I mean, it's so dense. It's like, hold on, there's so much, so much goes on in those episodes um, that you know there is not nearly as much content in a sta- in even the best standalones. They're amazing. It, it, now, when you talk to the to the writers and to people who worked on the series, what kind of research went into the the paranormal storylines that they got into. I mean, did they... Because it's not like nowadays when you can just jump on the Internet and do a Wikipedia search for a chupacabra or for, you yeah. know, alien abductions. I mean, they really had to either read the material or, or bring in some pretty good experts. Yeah, they well, they um, they might have a friend they would call. I forget. One of them had a... Uh, yeah, I think Chris has a brother who's a doctor, so there, if there was a, a medical thing... Um, you know, uh, Glenn Morgan would tell me, or Darren Morgan, or, or Vince Gilligan about how they had, they just would run across, uh, run across something that that piqued their interest. Um, uh, Glenn Morgan was talking about, you know, the the development of the lone gunman that he had been to some, you know, sort of uh, government uh, equipment expo, and there were these three guys that were just like that at a table <laughs> that were just, par- you know, ridiculously paranoid with all kinds of pamphlets. Saying what the government's doing to you, and he says that he said they, you know, this is pretty much who you see on screen. <laughs> well, well, uh, D- Dean Hagelin is a is a friend of our show, and uh, he's he's a friend of our science advisor Matt Moniz. But oh, it seems like the lone gunman that everybody you know remembers is, is Frohickey, and wasn't he also uh, Tom Braidwood? Wasn't he also one of the assistant directors for the show? Yeah, they they would rotate between uh, in Vancouver, mostly him and a, another fellow. Um, the way the way directing teams work, they, an assistant director, one will be prepping with the, the the following director for the following episode, while the the other AD is working with a, a director shooting the current episode. So they would switch off, and um, 
I had asked, you know, Goodwin and, and also, you know, Kim Manners about, you know, how, did, how does it work having your, your first AD being, uh, you know, on camera, you know, you know, working in the scenes, you know, don't you need him as an AD? And they, number one, they would switch off, but, um, you know, they just thought he fit. And I, I think, you know, the fact that he's not really an actor, he, he seems like a pretty regular guy, you know. Well, and, and from all accounts that I've read, and you probably know better than I do talking to people involved, but they say that the real Tom Braidwood isn't really that far off from Pro Hickey. I guess. He's a very, very nice guy. You know, you can call him up and, hello, he's, you know, very friendly. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I think that the story goes that they were, I think they were uh, looking for a, they needed a, a slimy type character, and he happened to walk by and, and they said, what about Braidwood? <laughs> um, uh, uh, Bruce Harwood said that he got on the set, and they, uh, when he arrived, they hadn't yet, um, they hadn't yet cast a Fro Hickey, which is kind of funny. So it's kind of just, yeah, just a perfect fit right there. Yeah. It, it, and they've also had the, the fortune, the good fortune of being able to bring in some great writers from time to time to to step in for episodes, uh, bringing in William Gibson. Uh, for episodes that have to do with, you know, electronics and that yeah. whole cyberpunk culture and, and Stephen King uh, contributing an episode as well. I mean, is that something that, did they seek out these writers or did these writers kind of come to them once they gained popularity? I, I'm not sure about that. I, I do know that the, the Stephen King one got extensively rewritten and um, that, you know, this, the trouble with doing that is that, uh, Outside writers don't always know the the language of the show, meaning language meaning the, the who the characters truly are, unless they're they're big fans and watch it every week. And well, I, um, so that that can you know that can mean having to go through and, and kind of tune it up to to make it fit so that somebody doesn't go is this this the X Files you know. Well, because the the dialogue between Mulder and Scully alone is so central to the show, you really yeah. couldn't trust that to an outsider. I mean, to just their yeah. interaction with one another. Yeah. Well, by the way, the, another Lone Gunman story that, that Dean had told me, because I asked him about his costume, I said, you know, how many different uh, Ramon shirts were there? And, <laughs> but he said the funny thing was the the glasses that he wore. He doesn't wear glasses, but the uh, those black frame glasses, uh, when he first came on there, the... the you know, the uh, uh, person giving him his costume there, you know, came out with a big box of glasses and said, pick one. And then uh, the next episode they were on, the, the guy brought the box out and said, pick one. And he, he noted that it took a while for them to figure out that they really needed to pick one and put it aside. And so, you know, he says those first few episodes, he's got different uh, glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> But it played. I mean, he does look a little bit like Garth from Wayne's World, but it's it's. Yeah. You still remember the character as having those those horn rim glasses. Well, and one of my favorite things I remember going through uh, when I was sitting when I I interviewed him. Um, he lives in in downtown L.A. and uh and we went up on the. They have a nice deck on the, part, the top of his this old building, uh, where he lives, and we were talking, and and it, it was you know there's Dean talking to you, but all of a sudden he he goes into. He, he he leapt into the Langley just momentarily when he he's talking he's telling a story something something had surprised him and he went you know so I was sitting there and all of a sudden holy crap and I was like hey it's Langley <laughs> now uh, the, when you get into some of these individual episodes these standalone stories uh, a lot of those are what stand out to to fans and you yeah. know my my wife's a big fan of the program but. Uh, when the episode Home 
comes on, uh, she can't yeah. be in the room because it's just that's out of everything they've ever shown on the series, that's the only thing that freaks her out, and it's a little disconcerting to myself as well. Sure. That's the only episode of the sh- of the series to be rated TVMA, I believe, too, right? I wouldn't be surprised. I know that it was never they were ordered immediately not to rerun it, and it didn't rerun for many many years. I remember they made a big deal about it in the late '90s, I want to say, or maybe 2000 or something. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel or one of the networks that was rerunning it made a big deal about you know the X Files that you'll never see. Now it's back in the regular rotation, uh-huh. but okay. To to watch it at like four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, it's it's really not the kind of programming you'd want the kids watching around after no. school, you know. No. When I met uh, Kim Manners in 2002, I went, I, when I was doing the DGA article, I, got, I went to the set of Audrey Pauly because that was his 50th episode. He directed, I think, 53 episodes more than any other director. And um, he, uh, you know, he talked about that. He, I remember he, he spoke of that episode even then as being, you know, for him, just classic horror. He just loved that episode. And you it's, know. you know, it's something that once they kind of tackled that topic of the inbred you know, hillbillies, yeah. and you see a whole slew of horror movies that came out with the same type of theme. Oh, you know I'm that. Not surprised. Yeah. Now, uh, that, was, that was a true Morgan and Wong episode, too. I mean, uh, you know, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn defends that one uh, tooth and nail. It's definitely a classic. It When you look at some of the awards that the show, I mean, the show was never really high on Emmy's radar, um, but it's yeah. it's recognized by all the institutions that it needs to be recognized by you know mm-hmm. uh tv guide ranks it as number two in the 25 top cult shows ever um the hollywood museum has a has a little bit of a spot dedicated to you know recreating Mulder's office so it's definitely a, a lasting program even though it didn't get the award recognition yeah yeah it's amazing i mean people still are wondering you know why are there so many you know why are our fans still into it for a show that went off the air you know, eight years, uh, six years ago, and you know, I was at the um, the LA Film Festival a few weeks ago, and they had a, a panel that had um, David and Chris and Frank, and the place was just loaded with fans who knew everything, every single thing about the the show, and, and it's as if it had just been on the air last week, you know. Well, one thing I was surprised about is, I mean, obviously you think of shows like The Night Stalker, you, you think of some of these previous, you know, paranormal shows as having an influence over Chris Carter and the idea behind the X Files. But I, I read somewhere too that he he cites moonlighting as something that he looked toward uh, for the relationship between Mulder and Scully to try and have that that something more than friendship, but not quite sexual tension between them. Yeah, it's. Um I mean, I thought of that when I watched. I remember. Let me see if I can find what he said about that, because I remember he did talk about that. No, sir. No, I guess not. Um, <laughs> Jack Webb <laughs> telling us there. Uh, you know that that is that's often cited, but I, you know, the, I think you know for him it was. It's not about a, a sexual attention quite so much as he likes. He really liked the respectful, intelligent. Um, you know, relationship the two had between each other. And, and to him, that was more interesting than just the, you know, typical, you know, sexual thing that, w- that would have normally occurred. In a regular show, they would have had, uh, you know, gone to bed together already by the, you know, the, the sixth episode. But that's, that's well, never what happens, and it's something, that you, you, it's something that we love about them. 
I mean, I'm, I'm surprised because, you know, being on the Fox network, <laughs> they, they kind of like that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to... Imagine if it was on FX. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been in the first episode. Yeah. Was there ever any pressure from the network to have that happen? I never heard of that. They never, no one ever said that. Uh, uh, actually, I come to think of, I'm, I'm thinking back. I think there, there probably was. I think Chris had, had mentioned that there might have been at some point. In fact, but he 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 fought for that because he he just, you know, this was something that was different and it, it set it apart from other shows, and he didn't want it to be just the same old thing. You know, it was something special, and it's a kind of male female relationship that he really loves. Well, I think what makes Chris Carter different is a lot of TV series that become synonymous with one creator slash writer who has his hand in so many episodes. I'm thinking, you know, primarily of David Chase and The Sopranos. They kind of want to do things their own way and not cater to the fans. And it seemed like Chris Carter was kind of the opposite way with a lot of stuff. He kind of put things in there for the fans. He kind of paid attention to what was going on in the early days of the Internet community and recognizing that, uh, even listing message board posters in the credits in later seasons. Yeah, yeah well, I think, um, oh, gosh, what's the, there was a character in uh, uh, Jolie, I can't remember the, there's a, a character. She's kind of she's kind of the Jar Jar Binks of the X Files. She appears in I think season eight or nine, with uh, Robert Patrick, in two episodes. And she's named after a um, she's named after a uh, a fan. And I, okay. you know, as, uh, she's actually named the character is named after a a known X Files fan they they used to hear from. Layla, Layla Harrison is that the name? Yes, that's that's right. So. Um, uh, you know, and I think another thing that really sets them apart is that they, they do love the fans and they have great respect for the fans. And I, I think that's a really, I think that's a great thing because this, there's no reason to be snobby towards the people who are paying the bills. You know, it's the fans that keep the, you know, keep a show on the air and, and, um, you know, keep it popular and spread the word to, to their friends about what a great show something is. And Especially they, a show they, like they know, this. they know and understand this. Especially when you're dealing with a, a subject like the paranormal as your main theme, you know, if you don't keep those regular fans happy each and every week, then, you know, you're not going to be picking up a lot of, it's, it's kind of a niche audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, are, are you, by the way, a, a season eight and nine fan? I am, actually. I... I'm probably, I think I'm somewhere in uh, late six, early seven right now. Okay. Because damn, they... damn you, TNT. <laughs> yeah. Well, they went from running like four episodes every night before the NBA playoffs to then dropping to only like three episodes on Friday morning. So now I'm getting it once a week, and my Netflix is backed up with uh, DVD requests for later seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting, you know. When I mean, when once Duchovny kind of you know reduced his his uh, appearance commitment, and and they brought in um, you know Doggett and Reyes. You know, again, when I came in as a in 2002 watching, you know, I tuned in. My, my fiance was really uh, an X Files fan. She was saying, "Oh, this is not the X Files. X Files is Mulder and Scully. I don't know who these guys are." But, and then there are a lot of fans who feel very strongly that way. That um, for anybody listening who doesn't uh, doesn't know about this, the show was nine seasons long, and after the seventh season, David Duchovny, Mulder, had had left. Uh, you know, decided you know it's time to move on and do some other things. 
And so he agreed at the very least to appear in about half the episodes for uh, the last two seasons, eight and nine. So there, there was a, a new male partner was introduced. And they did it in a, in a really great way, which is and they, they, they tackled it right in the first episode when Robert Patrick, who we, we know from you know, Terminator 2, the T-1000, um, the, the first scene where the two of them meet, they, they're sitting, it, it's in the first episode of season eight, and, and Mulder has been uh, was taken away by aliens at the end of season seven, and no one knows where he is. And um, he's sort of testing her, and uh, he insults her, and he had gotten her a cup of water, and, you know, he, he insults her, and she throws her water in his face, which is basically how the fans felt, which is, you know, we don't want this guy, we want Mulder. And they, they kind of just got it over with early, you know. <laughs> Nobody was going to like the new character because the only one they really want was Mulder. And, um, it's kind of the uh, the Coy and Vance effect, as I call it. Oh, okay. If you remember the uh, the Dukes of Hazard when they replaced uh, John Schneider and uh, Tom Woolpat with the, the two other cousins. Oh. So you can keep, keep the series going on, but you have to have new actors uh, re- replace you know yeah. the old actors. It's the, the coin advance effect is what I've referred to it as after their characters. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, I I watched like I said. So in 2002, when I for, it was first getting in the show, I mean, I was watching those episodes, and and going, this is great sci-fi. This is this is terrific. This this is a good horror show. And it wasn't until I went through it. You know, like I said, I pounded through every episode and and you know left season seven and got into season eight. And about halfway through season eight, I'm starting to go. These are still great X-Files episodes. This is still the X-Files. Mm-hmm. And I saw at um, the uh, Paley Center for Media, the, formerly the Museum of TV and Radio, did a panel with uh, tons of, of um, X-Files cast and, and crew, including the, the two Morgan brothers were there, and uh, Nick Lee, who's Alex Krychak, and a bunch of people. And um, But Steve Maeda and David Amont, who were... Um, two of the writers in those seasons, who came up with some really, really cool episodes, 4D and Audrey Pauly and, and lots of really great ones. And, you know, it was, it was cool to meet them and tell them, it's like, you know, you guys wrote some great X-Files. Those were still X-Files episodes. I still knew I was watching the X-Files. They carried the torch, I thought. Well, now, you mentioned Nicholas Lee and the role of Alex Krychek, and being kind of an X-Files insider, i got to ask you this question. Didn't they cut off the guy's arm in one episode? Yeah, he goes to, uh, in the mythology, one of the ways in to introduce this, um, well, well, to keep track of, they've sort of cataloged uh, Americans by um, our smallpox vaccine, our vaccination scar. There's something mm-hmm. uh, something in there that they've kept, kept track of, and that's always on everybody's left arm. So if you want to escape this, he, he goes to Russia, um he brings Mulder over there and, and you know, leaves him to get infected with the alien virus, this, the black oil. And um, and um, he, he goes off by himself, Krychek does, and, and escapes. And he, uh, he comes upon some people who say, you know, we can help you. And they all are missing their left arms. And to help him, they, they saw his off, <laughs> which when he eventually... Uh, he himself, his character is killed off. He's uh, that's part of his downfall. It just I remember I watched an episode later with him having two arms, and I was like, "Wait, one of those doesn't look fake. What happened to the to the arm oh. they cut off?" 
Oh, it's supposed, it, to, it's supposed to be a fake arm, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was a very real-looking <laughs> fake arm. Yeah. And one other thing I want to ask you a little bit on the inside is, is it true that in in actuality, Gillian Anderson is a UFO believer and that uh, David Duchovny is a skeptic? Uh, I didn't didn't get into that with him. I don't know. I had heard that. Okay, because that's something that I'd heard, and I just I never heard, saw an interview or anything where they confirmed or denied that. So I was no, but sure. um, I mean, Duchovny told a very funny story on the Tonight Show the other night, by the way. About, oh, about really? that, uh, yeah. What did he so, say? I missed it. Well, he said that um, he, he noted that he, he said that everybody, uh, you know, Leno, uh, in fact, asked him. He said, "Did you, you know, did you find uh, the people come up to you and start, you know, telling you about their abduction experience?" And he says, "Yeah." He says, "Well, he says in the beginning, I says I used to get a lot of letters." Or he says, "I uh, back then I was just I actually answered them. I was happy anybody was writing me, any, you know, writing writing me at all, you know." And he said, "You know, dear sir, yeah, you're." Your abduction experience sounds uh, in, sounds quite incredible. Uh, I'm I'm sorry you're having such psychological problems. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? You think that we're going to see more of these films if this one is a success? Are we going to see this them revisited? Well, I, yeah, I, I, if this one if this one does well, I think that they're expecting they're going to be doing some more. Because I'd heard rumors of a of a spinoff type. Uh, spinoff type series, uh, maybe something for the web where they had new characters, but it was the same idea of you know investigating these X Files. So I think the movie with the original characters is probably the the best format to keep it going. Oh sure. Uh, and I know that you know uh, David Duchovny's got his hands full with his Showtime series and the new the new um, projects that he's working on with his company and Gillian Anderson. We see her on Masterpiece Theater and. You know, mm -hmm. numerous other projects, but is you think this is something that they'll always happily go back to as long as the the writing is there? I think so. Yeah, they they love the great writing. I mean, that, that's that's something that that means a lot to them. I know, and um, that's something that kept them engaged. They always love the stories, and you know, Duchovny. You know, you'll see throughout throughout the credits over the years. You know, you know, story by David Duchovny. I mean, there's mm -hmm. things where he, where he would get involved in, it, and he he really knew the mythology. I think. All right, well, Matt, we thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll come back and talk to us some more when the book comes out in November. Oh, I'd love to. All right. The book is called The Complete X-Files, Behind the Series, The Myths, and the Movies. The author is Matt Hurwitz, along with Christopher Knowles, and uh, Chris Carter wrote the foreword. So you definitely want to check that book out when it comes out, and hopefully, Matt, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks a lot. All right. That was our interview with Matt Hurwitz, co-author of the forthcoming book X-Files, the Complete X-Files, Behind the Series, The Myths, and The Movies. And, of course, all night long we're going to be talking about the X-Files. So if you'd like to join in in the discussion, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, because, you know, we're going to keep looking for the truth. I can't. Not as long as the truth is out there. And it is out there, and you're going to get your chance to see the movie for free. All you have to do is be the first caller, 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500, and you will win a pair of tickets to see X-Files, I Want to Believe, at Flagship Cinemas, opening Friday, July 25th. In addition, you also get two free tickets to Captain's Comedy Night at Flagship Cinema, coming up on August 9th. So, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, and the phones are already lighting up. So, uh, let's give away... Matt, you know what? Let's give away two pairs. Two... 
two pairs of tickets. Sound good to you? You can't hear me in there, can you? Give away two pairs of tickets. Okay. All right, so there we go. Phone lines are lighting up. And don't worry, if you don't win this time around, we'll be giving away eight more pairs of tickets in the next hour. So there's still plenty for you to win because, you know, um, everybody's excited for this movie. I mean, I saw Batman, uh, The Dark Knight, the other night. And I realized, like, as I was seeing that movie and watching it, and, and it did live up to the hype, absolutely. But I realized, you know, I'm really fired up for this X-Files movie. I really am, and hopefully you are too. So you'll get your chance to see it for free by listening to Spooky South Coast all night long. That's the way to do it. And uh, in the next hour, we're going to bring you the Week and Weird, our weekly news segment. We'll also take your calls. You can talk with us about your X-Files memories, questions you might have, theories you might have about the series, and any of your paranormal experiences that you want to share with us as well. We'll always take those calls. If you want to keep in touch with what's going on all week long, just go to our website, SpookySouthCoast.com. It's also tied up right through WBSM.com. And if you want to be our friend on MySpace, it's MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast. That's the way to get all the updates uh, about what's going on on the show uh, sent directly to your MySpace account. And we've got a whole bunch of stuff that we'll tell you about in the second hour that's coming up as well. But uh, let me just say now that if you want to find out about some of these events, go to OpenDoors7.com. OpenDoors, the number 7.com. We'll talk about those classes coming up in the second hour as well, but... If you've been wanting to get into the paranormal and don't quite know how to go about it, then you want to take this class. And if you want to find out more about cryptozoology, alien visitation, or just hear some good ghost stories. And let's face it, as uh, as the summer winds down, we could use some good campfire-style ghost stories. We'll tell you all about all that in the second hour as well. And we'll also uh, we'll try and take a, a, a trip down to TapsCon if we can get anybody on the phone down there. I'm pretty sure by this time of night, though, they're all pretty much wrapped up with their presentations and some groups have moved on to do investigations and everybody else who's not involved in that is probably hovering around the hotel bar. So that might be the best way to get in, in touch with them is uh, while they've had a few. So I see I see, we're definitely giving away some tickets, so people definitely want to win. If, like I said, if you don't get through, stay tuned in the next hour because we're going to give away eight more pairs to see the X-Files, I want to believe. And uh, if you haven't followed up uh, on the X-Files mythology, from what I understand, uh, Matt Hurwitz, our guest uh, earlier in the hour, has actually heard the, uh, I'm sorry, has actually seen the script for the new movie. So he said, he, he told me that there's a lot of little winks and nods for longtime fans within the movie, but if uh, you're not familiar with the whole mythology and everything that's been going on, you still should be fine. I mean, it, he says it's just a great summertime horror movie. And that's the way it plays out. And after all, those are some of the most memorable episodes of the X-Files. Anyway, episodes like The Ghosts of Christmas, um, the, I'm sorry, The Ghosts Who Stole Christmas during that segment. And you have to realize, though, six years. So six years passed between the movie and now. So things will be a little bit different than the way you remember them. And I, I saw from one thing, Gillian Anderson has longer hair, but it'll the rest. I'll have all kinds of fun stuff going on right here on Spooky South Coast. <laughs> Supernatural is 
AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night. And tonight, we have a very special episode going on tonight. Because oh. we are talking about the X-Files. And uh, we'll be talking about it more. We'll be giving away more tickets to go see the new movie. Matt, you kind of went over your allotment for the first hour there. I did by accident. But we have I seven. I carried away. Seven. We don't give away stuff. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Our listeners deserve to be able to win stuff. We don't get the opportunity to give stuff away to them a whole lot, but we're happy to do it when we can. So we have seven more pairs coming up this hour to give away. So stay tuned because uh, we'll just be giving them away. We're not going to ask trivia questions. We're not going to make you jump through any kind of hoops. We're going to give you tickets that will get you into both the X Files at Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford, as well as their upcoming Captain's Comedy Night, which is coming up on August 9th. At 8 p.m. and 10 p.m., they'll have double headliners Stephanie Peters and John Turco. Uh, tickets, if you want to buy them, are $10 per person in advance or $12 per person at the door. So you know, Matt, yep. when you look at that, $10 per person for tickets for the Captain's Comedy Night, it's yep. about, what, 10 11 bucks for tickets to see a movie now? Yep. Nine, eight. So it's over a $40 value. When you win these tickets, because you get into the movie and the Captain's Comedy Night for two people. It's, it's astounding. Flagship Cinemas has been yeah. so generous here in giving this to us. And our thanks to uh, Enrique and Melissa over at Flagship Cinemas for helping us put this all together. And if you decide to go on opening night to see The X-Files, you're going to see us there, because we're going to be kind of hosting the premiere of the movie there with some uh, some trivia questions, some T-shirt giveaways, and whatever else kind of crazy stuff we can pull off as well. So, Also, they have a bunch of stuff going on at Flagship. They're, they're so innovative with using those cinema spaces for more than just uh, being able to see a movie. Uh, they have the Xbox 360 party. You can come play Xbox 360 on the big screen. Just bring any Xbox 360 game of your choice. Pricing is per hour, build in quarter hour increments. Includes the use of the Xbox 360 and four controllers. Uh, available hours are before or after regular movie show times. It's limited availability, so you want to reserve your time today. That price is $80 per hour. Pizza and refreshments can be added for additional fees. A 50% non-refundable deposit is required for an Xbox 360 party. And then also they're having on August 16th a Guitar Hero tournament. $15 per player. You can uh, prepay at Flagship Cinema at the Fieldstone Marketplace at 500 Kings Highway. Uh, Registration begins at 2 p.m. and the competition begins at 3 p.m. The grand prize is a $500 gift card from Game Crazy. And Matt, I just found out about this today. Did you realize that there's another Rock Band game out? Is there? Yes, I had no idea. It's it's got it's like a special Who edition. It's got like oh. like twelve or fifteen songs by the Who. Is that just for Xbox? I don't know if it's just for anything, but it's it's it, I guess it's new. So you could actually win the Guitar Hero tournament and use the five hundred dollar gift card to buy Rock Band. <laughs> See, and then you'll be ready for when there's a Rock Band tournament. That sounds like a sweet deal. Of course, uh, you got to be eighteen years old to participate in the Guitar Hero tournament. So uh, if you want to enter, just go to southcoast twenty four seven dot com. And you can sign up there as well. So lots of stuff going on at Flagship Cinemas. You can keep track of everything by going to FlagshipCinemas.com. We have it linked up right on the main page of SpookySouthCoast.com as well uh, there. So, And we also have, just to run down, first of all, happy birthday, Lizzie Borden. Today is her birthday. Nice. So I don't know how old she would have been, but she would have probably died by now if she hadn't already. 
But uh, coming up at Open Doors in Braintree, there's a number of events. Uh, my class, Introduction to the Paranormal, will begin Wednesday, August 6th. It'll be every Wednesday throughout the month of August from 7 to 8.30 p.m., except for the, the 27th. That's going to be a, an investigation, so that'll be a little bit longer than that. Uh, but tickets are $150 to take that course. Again, I don't set the prices. Uh, if you prepay by July 31st, it's $125. Uh, a portion of that, of course, goes to charity, though. Uh, also, Matt Moniz will present We Are Not Alone, a presentation of visitation on Friday, August 15th from 7 to 9 p.m. That's $25 per person or $10 if you prepay by August 11th. He'll take you through kind of the history of alien visitation to this planet. Also coming up uh, Saturday, um, Friday, I'm sorry, Friday, August 8th, Cryptozoological Mysteries in Massachusetts presented by Chris Pittman. That'll be Friday, August 8th from 7 to 9 p.m. Again, $25, but if you prepay by August 3rd, it is $10. And then coming up, they have a seance on August 16th, Saturday night from 6.30 to 9.30. That's $40 to attend. Or if you prepay by August 11th, it's $25. And the new one that they just announced this past week on Thursday, September 25th uh, from 7 to 9 p.m., an evening of ghost stories with Shannon Sylvia and Dave Manch. Shannon Sylvia, of course, she's been here with us in the Spooky Studio. You know her from Ghost Hunters International. And Dave Manch of New England Paranormal will be sharing some of their stories from their investigations over the years. $25 for that. If you prepay by September 20th, it's only $10. So to get more information or to sign up for any of these courses, just contact Open Doors. You can go to opendoors3.com. And uh, I have the phone number, but I don't have it on me. So remind me to give that out later. So there you have it. Whole bunch of announcements this week. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there is. As we're getting closer to Halloween, it's only going to get worse. Yep. There's going to be more. <laughs> well, I mean, it's better because there's more stuff going on, but there's just going to be more stuff to talk about here on Spooky South Coast. We're going to get to the to, to the point where an, an entire two-hour episode is like the community calendar of the paranormal, <laughs> which is fine because that's what we're here for. Yeah. We're here to spread the spooky word and, and get people more interested in that. All right, Matt. Well, what do you say? We get a little weird. I get to do it this time. Bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful Our first story comes from Ananova.com. The U.S. space program is seeking urine from workers at the Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, so it can create the perfect space lavatory. It's for the new Orion space capsule, which will eventually take astronauts to the moon, reports the Daily Telegraph. John Lewis, NASA's head of life support systems for Orion, said the Orion will be in space for up to six months while astronauts work on the moon, so getting rid of urine is a pressing issue. To design, build, and test the systems, NASA needs nearly 8 gallons of urine every day, or about the total daily output of 30 people. NASA has a long-standing tradition of collecting samples from its workers to help design better space toilets because you can't make fake urine, Mr. Lewis said. The memo seeking daily contributions from July 21st to July 31st contained detailed instructions for participants, but was not meant to go public. It requests donors do not drink too much to encourage urination, warning that, quote, you are not encouraged to overhydrate as this could dilute the urine we collect. Unlike in the doctor's office, you need not to worry about starting collection midstream, the memo states. 
Our testing will be much more accurate if you collect as much of the entire urination as possible, including the beginning. It also calls for urine to be fresh, no more than an hour old. So, Matt, you can't pull that stuff out of the fridge that you just keep around for emergencies. We suggest that morning urine be collected at home, but not nighttime urine, the memo states. So, there you have it. NASA's pissed. <laughs> All right, Matt Costa, what do you have for All us? All right. Oregon State Hospital, the mental in- institution where the 1975 film One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest is making way f- is making way for a new complex. Most of the dilapidated 125-year-old main building will be torn down and pl- replaced starting this fall. Although mean nurse Ratchet was pure fiction, the Oregon State Hospital has struggled with some very real troubles over the years, <clears throat> including overcrowding, crumbling floors, crumbly floors and ceilings, overbreaks of scabies, and stomach flu, sexual abuse of children by staff men- members, and patient-on-patient assaults. Politicians have been talking for years about need- the need to replace the hospital, but didn't get serious about it until a group of legisl- legislators made a grim discovery in 2004 when the cremated remains of 3,600 mental patients in uh, a copper canister's were found in a storage room. The remains belonged to patients who died at the hospital from the, from the late 1800s to the mid-1970s when mental illness was considered so shameful that many patients were all but abandoned by their families and institutions. Although Cuckoo's Nest was filmed here, neither the movie nor the 1962 Ken Casey novel on which, on which it was based makes any specific references to the Oregon State Hospital Casey drew on his experiences working at the Veterans Hospital in Palo Alto, California, and set his satirical story at an unnamed institution in Oregon. State legislators have decided in 2006 to build a new new $300 million, million 620-bed hospital on the site of the oldest, most dilapidated part of the complex. The front section of the building, including the cupola, will be preserved as a museum on the history of mental health care. Well, oh, sorry, just, just a little bit more. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Other parts of the building were abandoned decades ago and now on a ghostly site. The, the, the paint has been scarred off the bricks by weather and passage of time, and the wings are cluttered with old equipment, fallen plaster, and piles of pigeon poop. I had a pigeon poop. It says droppings, but I like poop. Poop's a way better word. <laughs> uh, the building is also contaminated with lead paint and asbestos. Construction of the new hospital is to set next spring and should be completed by the fall of 2011. So. Well, I was going to say, I can think of at least uh, one broken window at that hospital, <laughs> if you know which one I'm talking yep, about. And a water bubbler. Yeah, <laughs> they're missing one water bubbler. <laughs> it's somewhere out in the yard. Well, uh, that's that's a shame, though. I mean, that's what we're seeing happening, you know, in a lot of these institutions around here. And I think that the dilapidated nature also has to do with the bad stuff that goes on inside. Yeah. So it's kind of a vicious circle. Well, I have one more story from MSNBC.com. An Indianapolis woman believes a higher power helped her and her two young great-granddaughters survive a shooting this week before stray bullets from a gun battle ripped through her car, which I didn't realize it was gun battles in Indianapolis. Charlotte Thompson didn't even know what gunfire sounded like. I'd never even heard a gunshot, she said. She was sitting at a red light around 7 p.m. Monday when the fight broke out. We heard this pow, 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 pow. I really read all seven pows, Thompson said. (laughs) Then Cheyenne, who was one of her granddaughters, said, Oh, I'm shot. 
Her 10-year-old great-granddaughter was sitting in the back seat, shot in the stomach. As, and as you know, that's like the worst place to get shot. I turned around and looked, and she raised up her shirt, and I could see the bullet, Thompson said. I could see where it went in and where it went out. Thompson's other great-granddaughter, 13-year-old Jalen, was in the back seat, too, on the driver's side. She was crying, too, because she thought she was shot, too, Thompson said. But police later showed Thompson the path the bullet took through her car. She now believes the path was guided by God. Which, well, I'll explain. Came through the door, hit her, and then it went to the Bible, she said. The Bible was sitting on the seat between the two girls. It went in here and came out here, and it shredded my Sunday school book. The word of God slowed the bullet so it didn't kill anybody. A watermelon Jalen was holding in her lap eventually stopped the bullet. Right in the watermelon. It didn't come out of the watermelon, Thompson said. The word of God and the Lord's power saved. He went. He sent the bullet into the watermelon. She said that both her granddaughters were okay and that eventually Cheyenne's bullet wound would heal. However, she now worries about the emotional scars the girls will carry with them. It took away her innocence, she said of Cheyenne. You know, she trusted everybody. Now she trusts nothing and nobody. Except maybe the Bible and watermelon. Hmm. But if God directed the path of the bullet, wouldn't he have directed it away from the car altogether? That's what I would think. Well, who are we to question him and, and his ways? So there you have it. That's the Week in Weird for this week. If you'd like to send in a story for us to read on the Week in Weird, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the forum, go to the Week in Weird thread there, post up your story, and if we read it on the air, you get a free Spooky South Coast bumper sticker. All right, well, we're going to come back in just a few minutes with more X-Files tickets to give away, and we'll talk more about the X-Files, both the series, the new movie, and we'll take your calls at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll be right back on this extra special edition of Spooky South Coast. It's a real thing, a radio signal from another world. That's what I call a close encounter. I can't. Not as long as the truth is out there. All right, we are talking about the X-Files. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa. And as we said, we're giving away tickets for the rest of the show all the way until midnight. We've got seven pairs left to give away to go see the X-Files I Want to Believe at Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford. And, uh, you know, we're just going to – we're so excited about this that we're just going to give away pairs for the rest of the show. If they also get you into that Captain's Comedy Night at Flagship on August 9th. Matt, I know that uh, you know we're busy August 9th. You know we're doing the show Saturday night, so we'll be in here. But uh, I'm definitely excited about the chance to get out to Flagship and see see the X Files there yeah. because it's it's a great theater. It is. And I know you I, like to go play I, mini golf next door and, too. And they give you a free movie on your uh, birthday. Absolutely. So if it's your That's birthday, you don't even need to call up and win. But then of course you wouldn't get the Captain's Comedy Night tickets too. So. But uh, what do you what, what do you think? Should we let, let's let's give away another pair? But let's do it right here. Okay. All right, and then what you could probably do is you think we can talk to them here, and then you can go in the other room and take all their information down? We'll try it. All right. This is all new to us, folks. We just discovered that the phone in the other room works. <laughs> a little inside, breaking down that fourth wall type of stuff. All right, so how would you like to win a f- pair of tickets to see the X-Files? I want to believe, debuting this Friday. Give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, and let's go right to the first call here. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How you doing? 
Hi, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. Would you like to win a pair of tickets to see the X-Files? Yes, I would. All right, what's your name? My name is Steven Costa. All right, well, how long have you been an X-Files fan for? Oh, five years. I'm sorry? At least five years since I've known what was going on. Yeah? Are yeah. you look, are you looking forward to the new movie? Oh, my God, yeah. Well, what's uh, what's your favorite episode that you can remember? What? What's your favorite episode of the X-Files? The sewer guy. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. The And uh, that was just a creepy creature, too. Yeah. All right, well, uh, congratulations. You've won a pair of tickets to see the film. Uh, just hang on, and Matt's going to take all your information in just a minute. All right. Well, why don't you just, uh, you can jump into the other room and go take Steve's information, and I'll take it from here. We're going to wing it. So, uh, again, if you'd like to win a pair of tickets, we'll give away a couple pairs right here. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 is the way to go. And uh, the, the best thing about this new movie, I think, is that if enough people go out to see it, as Matt Hurwitz, our guest in the first hour, told us, there's plans that they could actually make more films. As long as Duchovny and, and Gillian Anderson are willing to do it, they're willing to do more. And, I mean, they'd be crazy not to, right? Tell me I'm crazy. Mulder, you're crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So, and uh, we're, yeah, so if there's a, a favorite episode of the X Files that you want to call up and talk about, you can give us a call as well. I mean, you don't have to just call up to win free tickets. It's always nice to win things for free, but we'll make you work a little bit for them. Now, next, don't forget, next week is our big live radio drama, and this is going to be historic, groundbreaking stuff if we do say so ourselves, because uh, we've got an original play, Possession of the Church, which was written by the trio of Jim DeRuta. Paul Trenneth and Rebecca Coleman, and they're actually going to be here. Not only are they going to talk to us about the process of writing the script and trying to cater it for old-time radio-style broadcast, but uh, they're actually going to be playing characters within the play as well. And we're also going to have Keith and Sandra Johnson here, uh, Andy Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research, and, and who knows who else will be part of the, the crowd that night acting out this play. We're going to open the blinds here up on the giant glass window at the Spooky Studio here at WBSM, and we want you all to come down, bring your lawn chairs, hang out. Watch us perform it. Uh, we just ask that you clean up any trash afterwards. But uh, you can come and watch us do our thing, and uh, it's, it's going to be crazy. And uh, we don't know if it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to you know, sound in the same manner as these old-time radio shows, but we're going to do our best to do as professional broadcast as we can for you. And uh, if we don't, if we fall flat on our face, then you want to be outside watching when that happens because it will probably come to blows inside the studio. People's heads will be getting smashed into microphones and whatnot. It'll be really, uh, really interesting. So just uh, come on down. Starting next week, uh, we're going to go on the air at nine o'clock, talking to our special guest about the old-time radio style. Uh, he's a gentleman that runs RadioHorrorHost.com. And then starting at ten o'clock, we'll do the live broadcast. And then hopefully, at around eleven o'clock, if uh, everybody's not totally burnt out and zapped, we'll talk to all of our guests about what's going on with them in the paranormal world. So uh, I see the phone lines are lit up, Matt. We can we can keep giving away tickets all night long, I think. But we've only got six pairs left after this to give away. And if you want to win them, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, and uh, we'll give away more in just a bit. Now, one of the things I've I'm, I'm been hearing about this new X-Files movie, and I, I can't guarantee that it's true, and I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler... So if you don't want to know what's going to happen, turn your radio down for a second. Uh, from what I'm hearing, the it's a standalone story, and it has something to do with 
like a werewolf type creature. We uh, we have some we'll call them sources that uh, that were on set, and they've kind of given us a little bit of information about what they saw. But the the script for the most part is being kept very secret. I know that there haven't been screeners available for the press yet, um, so they're really keeping the whole storyline tightly under wraps. You know, nobody's allowed to say anything about it. In fact, I guess Matt Hurwitz was a little bit hesitant to say things because who knows what would get back to Chris Carter or Frank Spotnitz, you know? He mentioned something on Spooky Selkos, and the next thing you know, they're calling you up saying, how could you have said that? You're giving stuff away. But it's a highly anticipated film. It's a highly anticipated storyline. I know that. So whatever actually is going on, uh, it should be good. And the fact that it's called X-Files, I want to believe. Well, then I know that I want to believe it. So uh, I'll definitely... Want to check that out? I want to believe. There you go. It's our old friend Fox Mulder there, and you know, out of all the characters in in paranormal television shows, Mulder was kind of the first one that, on the surface, didn't really seem that strange when you think about it. I mean, he was a clean-cut guy. He was an FBI agent, for crying out loud. I mean, that's how much more straight-laced can you get than that? And that's what was really interesting about the characters. You have this guy who, on the surface, appeared to be. You know, he was the FBI's glory boy early in his career. You know, he was this major profiler of criminals, and he was on the, the fast track to being one of the top agents in the FBI, and he got sidetracked by these X-Files because of his own experiences. And that's kind of the same story that happens for a lot of paranormal investigators. Whatever life path they're following, they have this kind of experience, and then the next thing you know, bam, you know, it, it absorbs their life and it, and it takes over. And we've seen that before, and I think that that was kind of an accurate depiction with that character. Hey, Matt, how's it going? It's going. You just gave away that one pair? I did. That guy was chatty, huh? I know. <laughs> well, uh, then that means we have uh, six pairs left to give away for the course of the night. And we have Chris Oliver on the phone. She wants to talk with us? Yes. All right, well, let's go right to the phones then. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? Sorry, we're trying to do this two-phone thing, and it's all screwy. And... Oh, that's okay. I'm fine. But I noticed that the lights are blinking on and off in the north end of New Bedford right now. <laughs> really? Well, <laughs> you guys aren't pressing the wrong button. <laughs> we, uh, no, we, we've had some, some satellite outages here with the network programming earlier in the night. I think we're going to be getting some nasty storms rolling this way. Oh, I think so. Oh, geez. Well, I got my pair of tickets. I'm happy about that. There you go. So you're going to get to not only see the X-Files, but you're going to get to go to Captain's Comedy Night as well. I mean, oh. I know it, con- it conflicts with Spooky South Coast. I don't know if... Well, I'll, I'll manage somehow. Well, but we'll get you a tape version. Well, of I know a couple a couple people are having some hard luck. Maybe I'll just pass them on to that and just take the movie for myself. There you go. Now, yeah. uh, you're a big X-Files fan, I take oh, it? Oh, from day one. I mean, I, I, I zoned in on this series right from the beginning. And uh, I followed it faithfully. I am the biggest fan, next to Spooky South Coast, of course. Well, thank you for that. Now, <laughs> I'll ask you the same question I asked Matt earlier. What do you prefer? Do you prefer the story, the episodes that further the mythology storyline of the alien abductions, or do you kind of like those little episodes that kind of stand on their own? I, I like them both. Yeah? I, I can accept both. I really do. It, it seems like, I was talking with the with the author, Matt Hurwitz, there, how it seems like you know there would be you know, like a three-part mythology episode that would just reveal all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, like, the next week, they're supposed to be, you know, like nothing ever happened. They're going out and investigating some farm out in Iowa. Uh-huh. It, that, that was the only complaint I had about that, is it's just the pacing seemed a little bit weird. Well, I mean, this is uh, it's almost a perfect series. I mean, it has every element that you could possibly want in a series. Atmosphere, uh, the music... The, the scoring, editing, everything was perfect. Even no-name actors, I'd like that, that touch. 
Yeah, they used a lot of uh, not only the the two main stars who were relatively unknowns, but uh-huh. I mean David Duchovny. I knew of his work uh, prior to the X Files on uh, Red Shoe Diaries. Oh, remember Twin Peaks? How can I, you miss that? I, I never watched Twin Peaks. I'm oh, actually going to be you watching. Didn't see it. him in drag? Oh my god! I'm going to be watching. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be watching Twin Peaks this summer. It's available online. <laughs> okay. For free on CBS.com. So I'm going to be watching that, but. Uh, I knew him as the narrator for Red Shoe Diaries on Showtime, which, Chris, I'm guessing is probably a show that you didn't watch. It's kind of like an adolescent boy after 9 o'clock type of program. Uh, well, no, I have, I'm not aware of that one. And basically it was just him and a dog walking on a dock. And uh, <laughs> they were he would be reading these stories in the most monotone voice. Uh-huh. Dear, dear Red Shoes, my husband and I, the passion went out of our marriage, so I went down to the bar and picked up some other guy. No. <laughs> you know, the fact that he read these stories, and he only read like the first 30 seconds of it, but it was, he should have won an Emmy for his uh, work. He's a great Shoes. writer, too. I yeah, enjoy yeah. his episodes, the ones that he writes. And if you don't pay attention, you know, you might not realize it, but he has mm. Contributed to a number of these stories. Oh yes, great, and and even the movies he chooses. I like uh, with Playing God in California, mm-hmm. um, where he's uh, um, Brad Pitt's in it. With he's a serial killer, something like that. Now, one, one of the things that I read too is that Gillian uh, Anderson was not the network's preferred choice for the character of Dana Scully. They wanted somebody who was. You know, more mm-hmm. attractive. They wanted a leggier, bustier blonde. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and I guess Chris Carter was really adamant to to give Gillian Anderson the job. She was only, from what I understand, she was only twenty four mm-hmm. when she started the show, which they had to go through some things to try to make her look younger. Well, I can't imagine anybody else in that role now. Just, I can't imagine. And they actually they work. It's funny because uh, in in reading a lot of the stuff that I read and talking with uh, Matt Hurwitz uh, during the course of the week, uh, they actually. She became pregnant in season two, mm-hmm. and they actually did a lot of work to cover that up. And then the whole abduction storyline was supposed to be uh, to cover for her while she was off having the baby. Mm-hmm. And it became such a central point of the show later on that, as he was saying in the interview, you know, things kind of happened by accident that play, ended up playing into the mythology of the show. Well, yeah, I remember reading in TV Guide, you know, back when it was in a format that I could accept, open book type. You oh, you're not a, you're not a fan guys? of the magazine? No, style? I don't like it. I don't like the new one. I don't like If I wanted to read about all the movie stars and everything, I'd get People magazine. Yeah. But um, they had said that they paid like a million dollars for each episode, and that was unheard of back yeah, then. Yeah, that was high for, the, for those Well, you days. could see the production quality. I mean, it's just uh, visually stunning. What and, I, was, I was always impressed with how they could make Vancouver, British Columbia look like any other city or town in the world. Really? And, and, but they did move towards the end. They moved to California. They did when, and, when and Duchovny that, started making yeah, movies. Yeah, I wish they had stayed in Vancouver because that's just an eerie atmosphere up there with the damp, rainy weather all the time. And they were able to make it play as both the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. New England, yeah. Virginia. I mean, they, they had all these stories going on. And, I still haven't been able to figure out, though, if the license plates, if they're supposed to be Washington, D.C. plates or if they're British Columbia plates. <laughs> I've been pausing and trying to zoom in, but I can't tell mm. for sure. Did you know David lives in South Dartmouth? He has a summer place. Really? Yes. My friend ran into him. I know where he goes for ice cream. Really? Yes. Him and his wife? They, yes. Taya and the two children. I know that they had a place on the vineyard. Uh, no. Well, uh, they do. Well, um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, South Dartmouth. I know the exact complex, but I, I won't give it up. Well, I actually contacted uh, his publicist earlier this week in the mm-hmm. hopes of having him join us for even a few minutes tonight. Yeah. And he's just been so whacked with promotion for the film that he's been traveling everywhere. And, oh, you know, by, by this he time. He's Californication, too, that he's working on. Yeah. So she said that, uh, you know, not this time, but maybe sometime in the future we can work something out because mm-hmm. it, uh, we'd be honored to be able to talk to 
somebody who worked so hard to keep this show going on. I mean, he was one of the driving forces behind it because he believed in it so much. Mm, I know. Well, my favorite episode still, I, I know there are better ones, but this one creeps me out because I'm afraid of the woods and uh, the eerie things that are there. And, and I, think it's, I think it's called Mothman. Which is that? <clears throat> Do you remember where uh, the boy's hunting in the woods with his father? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden his father gets, you know, drawn into the woods, absorbed. And they have these eyes that are peering through the uh, trees. Uh-huh. I don't know, have you seen that one yet? Yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's very eerily reminiscent of the actual Mothman story. Right. They so, always took little elements of things that were actual real reports mm-hmm. and worked them into these stories, which is what makes it interesting to, to fans of the paranormal. Well, I'm seeing some, some of the storylines changed uh, just enough that it wouldn't be plagiarism. But I've seen some of the uh, copying work on the new Supernatural series. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of these yeah. new shows it's are going to be changed around just enough that they won't get in trouble. But you can see that whoever wrote it was inspired by the X Files, which is saying something. And I know that uh, the um, the writers of the new show Reaper, mm-hmm. uh, they were also they were producers and assistants on the original X Files. Right. So it's, they're kind of keeping that paranormal going. Yeah, you know, people forget about um, the uh, the old the Avengers series mm-hmm. with John Speed and Emma Peel, and how quirky that series was. But they had the same type of relationship. The same They're professional, yeah. caring. Uh, there was a tension, sexual tension, but they never did it anything. Um, but uh, it was uh, that was an impressive series too. They had a lot of eccentric characters on it, and and, and strange, strange uh, storylines. But uh, I love that kind of stuff. Right. Well, we thank you for sharing with us tonight, Chris. We're glad you were able to win some tickets. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you next week through the glass. Uh, yeah, I'll be there. Sounds great. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Not everything is about you, Mulder. <laughs> I should have played that while we were talking about Duchovny so much. Why don't we take this call? Sure. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hello. Am I on, am I on the radio? <laughs> you are on the radio. I've been trying to win tickets all night, <clears throat> but there's a there's a delay between what's on the radio, I guess, and what's on the live stream. So I'm always a little bit off. But I figured I'd just call in and talk about the X Files anyway. Sure. It's Lisa from NEP. Hi Tim, how are you? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Fine, thanks. I'll tell you what, if you do a good job talking about the X Files, we'll give you a pair of tickets. Oh my gosh, that'd be so great. <clears throat> no, I'm, this is like the highlight of my year, um, and I to TiVo those reruns. But I was a fan way, way back. I mean, when it first came out, I, I was hooked right away. And I tortured my children for many years. I planned every Friday night, and then it became Sunday nights around the X-Files schedule. So um, I just, I think it's a great, it was a great episode. It was a great show, and I'm really, really glad they're doing the movie. Have you heard anything about the movie? You know, I've done some sleuthing on the Internet and, you know, went to all the little, I'm not, on a news feed and, you know, try to get, you know, what the buzz is. But I think there, I think if there is going to be something about a werewolf in there. Do you want to know, though? Don't you want to just be surprised when you get into the theater? I do, but then, you know, it, I've been waiting for this for six years. <laughs> it's been so long. Now, um, but, but, I mean, I, I think I'm glad that it's going to be a standalone, but I'm really excited that, that hopefully if it goes over well, they'll come back with more movies. But. I, I think that that's definitely a possibility. I, uh, you know, it's kind of in a summer with so many other big movies. It's kind of been lost in the shuffle to a lot of casual moviegoers. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when they go to the theater on Friday and, oh, there's a new X-Files movie. 
And they're going to be the kind of people that will say, well, I've seen Batman already. I've seen this. I've seen that. I think I'll go in and check that out. And those numbers are just going to drive up what's already there from the diehard fan base. And it'll show uh, you know Hollywood that, hey, this is a viable franchise to keep going in movie format. Look at Star Trek. Oh yeah, you know they they made more they they've had more success in films than they did with the original TV series. You know, one thing that's so funny, you know, at, at one point I was so obsessed with X Files, I mean, I would go and read fan fiction, and and there is such a huge following out there. And even over the years, it's not it's not dried up. I mean, I don't I have so many other things going on now. I don't have time to be obsessed with the X Files anymore, but. Every once in a while, I'll just, you know, go do a little Google search. And there still are so many people out there writing new fan fiction. And, I mean, it doesn't seem like the the fan base has diminished at all. They've just been all chomping at the bit waiting for something new. So. And if anything, they're becoming more uh, informed about the paranormal, so more ideas for different stories pop up. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's, there's things that we're finding out now that we might not have been. And let's face it, I mean, at least I'm probably through the first six seasons. There's not a lot of ghost-related episodes, and the ones that are ghost-related are kind of, you know, not really well-versed in the ghost terminology, and where you have so many people that are X-Files fans that are learning more and more about investigating hauntings, I wouldn't be surprised if those storylines pop up in a lot of these fan fiction. Yeah, you're, I think you're probably right. I think there's only been two or three episodes that were ghost-related. One was, of course, the comedy one, um, Ghost of Christmas, I believe it was called, with, the Lil- with Lily Tomlin. That was great. I remember one more, I think maybe just one more episode that was ghost-related, and I can't remember the name of the episode, but um, it was a girl whose boss had died, and, and he kept visiting her and was trying to avenge his death or something. Sure, yeah, those were the two I was thinking of. So I'm, I think those are the only two that I can recall that were ghost-related. Everything else is alien or, you know, conspiracy-related. So You know, it's I, funny because while we're talking, Matt Costa is looking uh, at X-File stuff on IMDb, and you know how, like, at the bottom they'll have, like, related-type titles to a movie? Uh-huh. Somehow or another, he's got the X Files Resistor Serve video game up there, and somehow or another, somebody related the Michael Jackson Moonwalker video game to that. Is that what I saw? <laughs> no, that's Star Trek. I'm sorry. I thought it was the Moonwalker game. I got all excited for a minute there. I thought I was the well, only one that liked that. Well, so I'm, I'm been waiting for this, and my girlfriend's birthday is next Friday, and she's like, "What are we gonna do on my birthday?" And I said, "Well, we're gonna see X Files, of course." I don't know that she's as excited about it as I am. <laughs> Well, if you don't mind making the drive from the Cape to New Bedford, uh, we'll give you a pair of tickets. You know, she's in Wareham anyway, so there yeah, I would love to go. There you go, absolutely. And uh, hopefully we'll be there uh, hosting and doing some some uh, trivia questions and some T-shirt giveaways, and so hopefully we'll see you there. I'll be wearing my X-Files T-shirt from like 10 years ago. I have a reason to wear it now. <laughs> there you go. Well, you can wear it every day anyway. Yeah, I, I could, but you know, I've, I have to keep it nice. You know, I don't want to get anything on it. All right. Well, then... Uh, Congratulations, Lisa. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tim. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. So that's uh, five pairs of tickets down, five more to go. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't realize about the X-Files is how much the writing, how much of the writing that was for that was kind of not really based in the paranormal per se. I mean, it, what they focused on was the characters, mm-hmm. the interaction between the characters, and it was almost like the paranormal was kind of the side track to the building of that. But over the course of the seasons, it became such a, a, a reason for people to tune in, and you started to see more and more development of the actual paranormal aspects of it that I'm just dying to see what they actually do with 
you know, this standalone story. I, almost like Mulder and Scully could kind of be, you know, we'll, we'll catch up with them in the first 15, 20 minutes or so. And then I think that whatever this monster is is going to turn out to really be the star of what's going on. All right, well, why don't we take this call? Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? All right. Oh, I can't wait for the movie. I'm all jacked up. I've been a fan for years since it first came out. So. And uh, Also a big fan of the show. Haven't missed one so far. Well, thank you. Really excellent show. Thank you. Do you, uh, do you have a favorite episode of The X-Files? Yeah, I like... Um, actually, I have two. They're like a tie. Uh, do you remember the one where he uh, Mulder investigates the guy that goes crazy at the office saying that the boss is an insect? Yes. All, oh, that's fantastic. That was I just watched that one recently, actually. Yeah, that's really good. And the other one was The uh, Killer, which I think it was a couple episodes. Do you have an old cemetery in town off the beaten path? The creepier, the better. Every, I think, uh, I don't Sorry know, 30 years he came back and the same murders. He stole the livers and he made this, like, cocoon that he slept in. Yeah. That's awesome. And that, that character actually came back, I, I think. Yeah, I think he came back probably because they had a lot of, you know, positive feedback on that. That was an excellent episode. Well, what I was going to play for you is actually one of my favorite episodes is, I, I don't remember the name of it, um, which, you know, it's op- often happens with these episodes because they didn't really put the names of the episodes on the show itself. It's only like when you look up the info later on. But one of my favorite episodes is the one where um, it's it's told, it's a, when Mulder at the very beginning kills the boy that he believes is a vampire. Oh, yeah. And they have to go to Skinner's office, and, and both Mulder and Scully give their own accounts to what's going on. And and Mulder tells his version of the story, and Scully tells her his version of the story. And one of my favorite lines of the whole series actually came from that episode, because it just kind of describes like the way that Scully saw Mulder. And this is the actual line right here. Do you have an old cemetery in town off the beaten path? The creepier, the better. <laughs> I mean, that's just, it's, it's kind of the Mulder character in a nutshell. Well, I'll tell you what. How would you like to go see the film? Oh, that'd be fantastic. All right. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on hold, and then Matt will take your information, and uh, we will give you a pair of tickets. But well, before you do that, Matt, why don't we um, just click the button off there. That'll work. <laughs> why don't we uh, take a break, and uh, I will, uh, I'll play us into that break. Ready? All right, we'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
there you have it. The Sounds of Bree Sharp in her song David Duchovny, which I found by accident many years ago. But it's uh, it's something that still to this day it just gets stuck in your head. It's very catchy. I'm sure David Duchovny either loves it or hates it. Hopefully he loves it. But uh, we have, well, we have like uh, four more pairs of tickets left to give away, I think. So uh, if this is the gentleman, too, that just called that Matt lost, then definitely uh, call back because I know he fell off the line there. So Why don't we uh, give him a minute to call back? Just give us a call back uh, at the line that you called before, and Matt will take down all your information uh, because he did lose the call. For everybody else, you just have to wait a few minutes, and then we're going to give him off rapid fire style. The new movie comes out Friday, July 25th. It is X-Files, I Want to Believe. Highly anticipated movie. As uh, Lisa the Caller a few moments ago said, she's been waiting six years for this, and I think we all have been. We all wonder what's been going on in the lives of Mulder and Scully. There's going to be some twists, I guess, from what I understand uh, in their personal dynamic. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, of course, the the star of the X-Files has always been the interaction between those two. No matter what monster they throw at them, no matter what story they throw at them, no matter what kind of paranormal phenomena they might be investigating or how deep the conspiracies might go, what lies at the heart of the show is the interaction between Mulder and Scully. And uh, it's something that, you know, TV couples over the years, there's been many great TV couples like that. Uh, Chris Oliver mentioned earlier, she talked about uh, the characters from the Avengers. Uh, of course, Moonlighting, which was an influence in the writing of the X-Files. There's so many of these relationships where you have the platonic friendship kind of relationship, and then unfortunately they go the wrong way with it. Uh, like, look at who's the boss, you know, one of Matt Costa's favorite shows. And something that we, we probably talk about way too much here on Spooky South Coast, but there you have two characters who, you know, for years they tease getting together, and then once they did, the show kind of went down the tank. It was like jumping the shark. And I think that that would have been the case, you know, with the X-Files, had they done it earlier in the series and, and kind of just gone over the top with it and turned it into a romance story between the two characters. But instead, that, that interaction between them, that friendship that was something more but not quite too much more, you know, and uh, I think that's what really people bought into. So I guess uh, we'll just keep rapid fire giving away the tickets. And uh, that's after all. That's the point of what we're trying to do here tonight, right? Sorry, I hit the wrong button. Let me do that again. If there's a point, Mulder, please feel free to come to it. There we go. I'm trying to do this uh, new thing here where I can actually drop all this audio into the show, and I just keep hitting the wrong buttons, as some of you might have heard during the commercials. And so uh, why don't you give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, if you'd like two free tickets to see The X-Files, I Want to Believe, debuting this Friday night. You'll also win two tickets to the Captain's Comedy Night at Flagship Cinemas coming up on August 9th. Uh, for more information about any of the events they have going on there, flagshipcinemas.com is the place to go. Matt, what happened? The phones aren't, aren't lighting up. Where is everybody? Four pairs of tickets left. We have four pairs of tickets left, and nobody's calling in at 508-996-0500 or 508-291-0500. I'm surprised. I guess, uh, Matt, we're going to all get to go see the movie for free then because nobody seems to want to win them. Come on, folks. You know you can do it. We won't even ask you any really difficult trivia questions. We'll just give them away to the next four callers. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. No? No takers? Well, then, I guess uh, we'll just have to go see the movie ourselves. 
we'll call Matt back into the studio. We'll let him handle things uh, on the board here. Matt, you might as well just come back in your seat. All right, here we go. We'll, we'll just take the calls directly right here. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing uh, very well. Spooktacular, as we like to say. Oh, now the phones are lighting up. I have you come back into the studio and everybody starts calling in. <laughs> How are you tonight? Great, thanks. Would you like to win tickets to see the X-Files? I would. All right. Are you a big X-Files fan? I am. All right. Well, I'm glad then that you'll get to see this movie for free. Great. We're just going to uh, we're gonna put you on hold for a minute and then because uh, we're just about wrapped up with the program and then we'll take all your information. Okay, great. Thank uh-huh. you. So, and uh, we still have a couple more tickets to give away. 508-996-0500, 508 Just for the future, Matt, we can just end the show. You can do it. I'll do it afterwards. I'll get all the information. For the future, Matt, this uh, this program that we've been using tonight to, to drop all this audio into the show works great, except my mouse pad is way too sensitive. Yeah. I fired off, uh, I fired off uh, the old cemetery line during a commercial, which was not a good idea. <laughs> we really should have turned that pot off. And uh, I accidentally fired off the David Duchovny song when I went to to type some, hit something else. That's fine. I can't protect you, Agent Mulder. <laughs> At least that time I actually meant to do it. Wait, did I get them all? Did I get this one in tonight? Hold on. You believe this load of crap? That's a keeper. We're going to have to save that from uh, 90% of what we talk about here on the show. <laughs> so, all right, now the phone lines are lit up. So we'll be able to give away the rest of these tickets before we go off the air, but 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 are the numbers to call if you'd like a pair of tickets to go see The X-Files, I Want to Believe, beginning this Friday night, and also Captain's Comedy Night, August 9th, Flagship Cinemas in New Bedford. That's uh, Fieldstone Marketplace at 500 Kings Highway in New Bedford. Next week, Matt, we're going to be... Uh, I'm already getting nervous again, just thinking about it, but next week is going to be both historical and scary. Scarier than anything having to do with the paranormal, that's for sure. Uh, but you said you're not worried? It'll be fine. If it you're not worried, out. I'm not worried. It always works out. It does. We do have that touch. Even Stevens. <laughs> I'm even Steven. <laughs> Give me a 20. Um, <laughs> but we will be doing our live radio broadcast. We invite you all to come and sit outside, watch us uh, screw up, I mean, perform it, and... Uh, Definitely enjoy it and let us know what you think. Uh, we'll, we'll open the phone lines up in the third hour next week to, to find out what people thought of it. But start time, 9 o'clock next week as we present an old-time radio-style live radio drama, God help us, right here in the Spooky Studio. It's going to be the cat's meow. It will be. The bee's the, knees. The bee's knees. <laughs> and so uh, for the rest of you, well, I guess we'll see you Friday night at Flagship Cinemas for the premiere of The X-Files, I Want to Believe. We'd like to thank Flagship for giving us 10 pairs of tickets to give away over four hundred dollars worth oh. of tickets they gave they gave away tonight. I can't believe they trust us with that many tickets. That's their problem. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll see you down there at the premiere of the film. Uh, we'll be there asking some questions, giving away some T-shirts and and what have you. And uh, until until next week, until then, until the next time we talk, we want you all to stay spectacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow. Tomorrow.